Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Mark chapter 9, as we are beginning a week of prayer and fasting, and we again, let me say it again, we will be here starting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I would love for everybody here to be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. If you're not working, if you can be here, be here. It's an hour of prayer, and it will do you good, I'm telling you. And uh, I'm really wanting us to do that every night this first week. Make as many of them as you can. Come with your word, with an expectancy. And however you're fasting, you know, just, just give God this first week and seek after him. It is, it is so amazing that the Assemblies of God, it's a fellowship we belong to, their theme for this year is an awakening, is revival. I had no idea that was happening. We've been talking about revival since the fall. And um, I believe God is moving us that way for it. And so revival comes when we pray and seek him. Mark chapter 9 is, uh, and it's also, this story is also in Matthew 17. And let me just set this up. This is, uh, you, you ever pray and... and, and um, but you don't see a breakthrough in that area. This is a story where the disciples already received power to overcome the enemy. They had authority, but they couldn't drive out evil and a spirit from this boy. There was something missing. So Jesus reveals a problem that some of us experience. And this is a problem for all of us. Jesus exposes a problem to why some of our prayers aren't answered in some of our uh reason why we're not walking in the victory that we should be. Jesus reveals the problem here. And then he also gives us the solution. Amen. And it's tied with prayer and fasting. And so in Mark chapter nine, let's read it. And I want to set this up as we begin our week of prayer and fasting, why you see the importance of it. And verse 14, and when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. So there's a big argument taking place here. There's chaos happening as Jesus is coming off the mountain. Immediately when they saw Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, he says, what are you discussing with them? I love Jesus. He's like, what are you talking to my, my fellows for? Why are you arguing with them? What's going on? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him or takes over, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they, that they should cast it out, but they could not. They couldn't do it. He answered and he said to him, Oh, unbelieving or faithless generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I bear with you bring the boy to me then they brought him and when he saw Jesus immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth Jesus asked the father how long has this been happening to him this is amazing to me the kid falls to the ground and is overcome by the spirit he's foaming and Jesus just says uh, hey, so how long has this been going on Jesus isn't moved with with our problems, you know, no matter how serious they may seem to us and it's a serious issue Jesus isn't disturbed by you know, how serious the issue is or how big of a mountain we're facing He's like calm. He's like so. Um, how long has this been happening? How's your other son doing? What'd your wife cook for dinner yesterday? 
Jesus isn't moved or disturbed. And the father is, he's, he's grieving, he's sad, he don't know what's going on. And he says, well, as often as he's, verse 22, he's thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. You see that? The goal of evil and the enemy is to destroy. But if you can do anything, please have compassion on us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe. Remember, we talked about that. All things are possible to him who believes. And I love this. Immediately, the father of the child cried out with tears. Come on, parents. Just put yourself here. With tears. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I struggle sometimes. I don't know what it is. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as if one was dead, so that they actually said, He is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he went into the house, his disciples came to him privately said why couldn't we do that I don't understand Jesus we use the name of Jesus we have the uh, the companions of our faith the power the authority but it didn't work it didn't work it's kind of embarrassing that's why they brought him privately they came to him and said these people were counting on us Jesus we thought we did everything right why didn't we have the ability to overcome that thing I love the Bible it's very transparent Jesus gives us this truth. He said, I tell you, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for keeping this story in the Bible for us to learn and look at today and to apply to our lives. I pray, God, that you would give us, as Paul said in Ephesians, and prayed that our eyes of our heart and our understanding would be enlightened is be encouraged, instructed, and enlightened today by your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. You want to grab some paper and write these things down. We'll be here real long today, but did want to bring this out. And what I want to bring out is that there is the restoring power of prayer and fasting. Thank you, Pastor Steve. How many are appreciative of our worship team? Amen? Yes, amen. Every week they bring us into the presence of God. I feel the presence of God here today. How many feel the presence of God here today? Amen. I I know he's here. Whether you feel him or not, he is here with us. Hallelujah. And God's going to give us some understanding today with with this whole thing. The restoring power, because there's restoring power in prayer with fasting. So Jesus is coming off of the Mount of Transfiguration here. And a while back, I was teaching on the glory and how Jesus took three of his disciples up on the mountain and the glory of God came upon him and he was transfigured. Okay, that was what just happened. Jesus, Peter, James, and John are coming off the mountain at the bottom of the hill in the little village is the rest of the crew. And they're wrestling and they're arguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. And I know that they're looking at an opportunity that, see, this Jesus thing ain't working. And so they're pointing the finger at the boys, at Thomas, saying, I know it's probably you, Thomas. (laughs) But they're pointing the finger and saying, where's your Jesus now? This thing ain't working. He's not the rabbi. 
He's not the Messiah. You see, you can't help this guy. And you're doing everything he told you to do. And, and, and there's a commotion. If you really study that first verse, it's, it's a chaotic scene. There's chaos there. They're grumbling. They're fighting. They're arguing. you got a father there that he don't care who wins. He just wants his child healed. He don't even understand all that religious stuff. He's just got a son that has, by the way, a spiritual problem, not a physical problem. Not all physical problems are a spiritual problem. But many spiritual problems always reveal themselves and affect us physically. You may get that in a minute. This boy had a spiritual problem and the evil spirit would overcome him. And he had this problem that medicine wouldn't fix. It was a spiritual condition. And so they're wondering what is going on. And Jesus comes down and they got the glory and they just been in the presence of God. They saw Moses and Elijah. I mean, this was an amazing moment. And to, step, and to step right into that, it was just like, you know, coming home from an awesome service or have a great weekend of serving God. And then you're faced with something in the family or an argument or something at work. How I many you know that feeling? You go from feeling so good, boom, to like a cold shower hits you. That's life. And it was taking him, but Jesus wasn't affected by it. Kid is convulsing and he's overcome with evil and Jesus is having these conversations and he's just sitting there. Now, if you need to see that Jesus, you need to see that. That Jesus isn't affected by the size of your trial. That, that your God doesn't weaken because you got a serious diagnosis or you got a serious problem. I'm telling you, there is nothing impossible. You hear what he said? Nothing's impossible to them that believe. And believing is the key. And that's why I've been talking so much about it. And so Jesus reveals... Uh, the problem here, and I want to borrow Matthew's uh, version of what happened. And Jesus said this was the problem. In verse in Matthew seventeen seventeen, they said, "What's the? Why couldn't we do it?" He says, "You unbelieving and perverse generation." Jesus replied, "How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me." Unbelieving and perverse. And in Matthew's gospel, even later on in the story, they come to him and said, why couldn't I do it? And before he said the fasting thing, he said, it's because of your unbelief. So we see two problems there that cause us to not see the victory, the level of victory that we see. Notice he said, this kind. You can overcome some things and, and, and with a little bit of faith. You know, if you just call on the name of the Lord, you are saved. So all you got to do to be saved is just believe in Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I put my faith in you. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just a historical figure. He's not a, it's not a religious thing. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He come to show us how to have a relationship with God. He paid the price so we can be forgiven of our sin, so we can enter into a relationship with a holy God. All you have to have is faith, believing to get into that. Boom, that's it. But Jesus said there are levels. So when he said this kind, in other words, so that tells us that there are levels of victory. There are, there are levels of spiritual warfare. There are some things that you can just, I believe in Jesus and you're saved. There's other things you've got to engage in spiritual warfare. There are other levels that we've got to learn to neglect the flesh and to have a renewed mind and to be focused on the Lord and get a little bit more serious if we want to enter into that level of victory. A little daily bread only gets you so far. Come on, church. Amen? Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, amen. 
The book of James tells us even the devil believes in Jesus. So there's devil-level faith, right? Where I believe in Jesus, that's good, but even the devils do that. But there's another whole level here that Jesus is getting at. So when you break these words down and you start understanding what Jesus meant, you'll notice these things. And number one is that when he said unbelieving and perverse. Unbelieving, why is that so serious? Unbelieving disconnects us from God. It disconnects us from the blessing and the power of God. Unbelief does. I talked about it a few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 3, how the writer is writing to the church and he says, Beware, brethren. He's talking to the church. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And I talked about how unbelief will not allow you to see yourself in the future. Unbelief has an exit date. Unbelief, when I tell people when they get saved and mentor folks in life challenge and people that are coming out of addiction, I, I tell them, if you're newly saved, I'll tell you this. Listen, get a mental picture and a vision of yourself serving God when you're old. If you're single, I told my friend, picture God giving you a beautiful woman. Amen. He said, is she hot? I said, oh yeah, she's as hot as you want her to be. Amen. But picture yourself in church together with your family. Every man here, listen to me, picture yourself with your family in church. Right? you got to have a mental vision. Without a vision, the people perish. You have to see yourself reaching forward. Paul said, I see myself reaching forward because there's some things I haven't got yet. I see myself reaching forward. Unbelief is the opposite of everything I just said. Unbelief won't see it. Unbelief won't believe it. Unbelief has no vision. Unbelief can't see it. And what I love about God is I didn't see myself free. I just wanted to stay free, clean, and sober for one weekend. That's as far as my vision was. But when I surrendered to the Lord... And God began to give me victory over unbelief. I began to be able to see clearly and begin to say, you know what? I got saved in the fall and New Year's was always a big party for me. And we used to party like crazy. And I said, if I can, you know, I don't know if I make it through New Year's and I don't know if I'll make it into the new year. And, and people didn't even know if I was going to last. They would even call the house and ask Melinda, so how's he doing? Like I had some kind of terminal disease. They were all expecting me to fall back. Why? They didn't have the faith to see me going forward. I barely had it. But when I began to get victory over unbelief, I began to see myself. And that's where we need the eyes of faith. But unbelief disconnects us from God's power and His blessing. James says that if we're double minded, if we have unbelief, that man should not expect to receive anything from God. But I love this one. Later in Hebrews, again, back to Hebrews, that same chapter. He's talking about doubt. So if this is something you battle with doubt, and I spoke to somebody earlier, and they watch on our live stream, and I just love our whole audience of church. We have a whole church that people watch us on live stream. And when I was talking about, they were talking about struggling with unbelief. We all will encounter it. Read chapter 3 of Hebrews that help you overcome it. But look at this. In Hebrews 3, the writer says, And to whom did God swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see then that they could not enter because of unbelief. Well, wait a minute. Is it because they didn't obey or was it because they didn't believe? That's a contradiction. It says they couldn't enter the promised land because of disobedience. Then in the next sentence, he says they didn't enter because of unbelief. So which is it? It's both. See, in the kingdom of God, 
Unbelief is the root cause to our disobedience. When I disobey God, if I can be real with you, it's simply because I don't really believe God more than I believe my decision is better. Wasn't this Saul's problem? God said, Saul, go down and wipe out the enemy. He went down, and once he got down there, he was like, I know God told me to totally wipe it all out, but I think it's a better idea if we keep the king. And what's wrong with this sheep? God, you don't want to waste this sheep. Let's keep the sheep, and let's keep the goats. And, and he come back to Samuel, and he saw Samuel was the man of God. He said, Samuel, and he actually says this, I've done all that the Lord commanded me. Hallelujah. And Samuel looked at him and said, then why do I hear sheep? And who's this guy? Oh, that's King Agag. Samuel said, God told you to wipe them all out. They were evil people who made a lot of families fatherless and killed innocent people. They are barbarians. God has given them time to repent. They wouldn't repent. And now justice has to be served. And you were the one that were supposed to. You're the king. You're the government. you got to execute justice. Because you represent God. But you had a better way. And you fool. The kingdom of God is ripped away from you today. Because you did not do what God told you to do. Why didn't he do it? Because he believed his way was better. Jesus said, this is the problem, boys. Unbelieving. Just like believing is the cause for our obedience, unbelief is the root cause to our disobedience. Got to get that taken care of. And then he also says perverse. He says unbelieving and perverse. Perverse means we are too connected to the world. So unbelief disconnects us from the things of God. It just, it just does. Let me just back on that again. I was thinking about Christmas lights. Remember you... You might have had this problem. I know I did. I went to go plug in my Christmas lights to hang them up right after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. Anyway, uh, and uh, the last bit of the strand of lights was out. Right? What is it? It's a bulb. It's one bad bulb. So you had power flowing through the lights, but it got to that bulb that was out. And when I pulled that bulb out, the little metal connections was broken. And it caused the rest of the line of lights to not have power. Jesus said, this is what unbelief will do. I have no problem giving you the supply. Ain't nothing wrong with the fuse. Ain't nothing wrong with the power supply. The problem lies with the connection problem. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And that's unbelief. So what did I do? I took that bulb out. Put in a new one. It all worked. The second problem, though, was perverse. Perverse, this is so good. Please listen. Jesus said, you're unbelieving and perverse. This is, these are your two problems why you're not seeing problems. And perverse means we're too connected to the world. The word perverse actually means to turn away from something else. and to It means to be twisted and to twist to something else. The imagery is like a branch that is connected to a vine, but it begins to grow its own shoot and be twisted and connect to something else. You got it. You hear that saying, you got it twisted. A twisted. You, you got some of it. You used to have it, but you got a twisted version of what God wants you to do. We're, 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 too, we're twisted. We're too connected to something we're not supposed to be connected to. And it, it's the world. What is the world, by the way? 
the world, now I know there's a long teaching I can get into on this moment, but I won't, but the world, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the world is. If you grew up like I did in the church, it was like there's a lot of, you know, things were considered worldly that I don't know if it really had a lot to do with the same worldliness that the Bible talks about. There was, you know, and a lot of religious uh, traditions and things have crept in like it did to the Pharisees and and Jesus would have to try to bring renewal and, and, and say, hey, man, you guys are getting more over it. And that has nothing to do with the lust of the flesh. It's just more of a tradition. Some of those beliefs back in the day was if you went to a bowling alley, that was considered worldly. Uh, I mean, me wearing Adidas, this would be the abominable sin right here. I mean, I don't know. But it, I mean, there are, there are certain things that were just sacred. And, 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 and I think it had good intentions. I really do. I mean, I think there, there were some good in, intentions there. We went to the movies, you just don't go there. You don't go to these environments because they're all worldly. And, and basically, it began to translate to the younger generation that anything fun was worldly. And anything worldly was sin. Was sin. I mean, I want to talk about it. There, are, there is a little bit of truth in that, but this is not the problem that fights against us. It's not the bowling alley. The word world, please listen to your pastor today, that is an ordained minister and studied for 25 years and know a little bit about what I'm telling you today. The word world is the Greek word cosmos. K-O-S-M-O-S. It's where we get the English word cosmetology. What's cosmetology? I live by the cosmetology school in Taylor, and when I was in high school, we used to go there to get the cheap haircuts, when we used to go there, hallelujah, and uh, they'd cut your hair for five bucks, that was like a deal, and uh, wasn't always looking good, you know, they couldn't get that mullet looking just right, so we had to, uh, they were training, in training, one dude cut his finger one time, I was like, whoa, Edward Scissorhand, I'm out of here, so... But that school teaches them to do what? To do the cosmetology. It means the arrangement of the hair and makeup, the ornaments. It means the arrangement. The world in the Bible, what we're told to stay away from and not be connected to, is not the bowling alley. It's the world, listen, it's the world system and beliefs and standards and morals. That's what he's telling us, that the world has its own beliefs. It has its own morals. It says, this is love. It says, this is what will bring you success. In fact, you've got to stray from the kingdom of God, from God's ways to really have success. You've got to look out for you. Someone mistreats you, man, you better get back. You better look out for you. It's all about you. And, and, and the whole system here is contrary to the kingdom of God with our values, our morals, our beliefs, our standards. And Jesus is saying the problem that you're having where you're not seeing victory in your life, it is unbelief. You're, you're failing to believe the word of God, but you're also becoming too connected, too perverse. Too, you got it twisted. you got a, a mixed, twisted theology. And you, you're kind of a little bit into the world a little bit. Now, this is where the teaching came about music, because some of the, the values, now listen, and the morals and the standards and the beliefs of the world system is in the music and in the movies and in the sitcoms and in these environments. So you as a believer, according to Hebrews, it says what a mature Christian is, is someone who can discern between evil and good, between unholy and holy, between worldliness and godliness. 
That's a mature Christian. And it takes time to get there. To grow. Paul told them in the Corinthians that they wouldn't eat certain meats. You know, and in Colossians, they were told not to go to festivals because it's worldly. And Paul said some of those things have a form of humility. But they have nothing to do with fighting against the flesh. So go ahead and let no one condemn you in going to the full moon feast. Celebrate. Go to the bowling alley. Watch Rambo. It doesn't mean that you have to be like Rambo. If you can be, now, if you're going to watch Rambo and want to go take revenge out on your neighbor, you probably shouldn't watch Rambo. Everyone has to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, it's serious. There were two full years that I could not even go into a liquor store in my old neighborhood. That was me. Now, is that fair for me to put on my two daughters? Don't you go to a liquor store. Well, sometimes on the way to school, they got to run in and grab a drink or something, you know, for gym class or whatever. You got to understand what the standards are different. For me, I was coming out of a life of addiction and and, and our habits, and I was trying to break those soul ties and everything else, but the, the worldliness. Look what James tells us. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world, cosmos, is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Isn't that strong? That's like, whoa, James is, is strong. James is like... Boom, bottom line kind of guy. But notice he says that God don't make him an enemy. We make ourselves an enemy. What? When we begin to look at the values, morals, beliefs, and standards that we see in some of the television shows, in some of the music and the lyrics, just get some of the lyrics and listen to them. And if we start to say, eh, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, what's happening? We are becoming a friend to this system. And God is over here saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. If your enemy mistreats you, I want you to pray for them. The way up is actually the way down. If you want to be great, then be a ruler over those then be a servant over those you want to rule over. In other words, the way up is the way down. That's the kingdom way. The kingdom way is about character and about integrity. The world system doesn't care about that. It cares about your talent. How good can you sing? Brother, how good can you make me feel? How good? You're in this movie. You're in that. The songs are just making me feel good. I can care less of how you abused your wife and you've been married six times and cheated on all of them and you're not a good father. I don't care about that. That's, you know, you just sell the number one CD. You just drop that lyric, baby. Keep that beat coming because it's all about you. That's the world system. Over here, God says, I don't care if you can sing or not, but if you can be faithful to one woman, it's not about how many women you can sleep with, it's about how committed you can be to one. It's about how to be there with your kids, teach them how to pray, teach them how to endure temptation, teach them how to overcome the wicked one, tell them how to live with integrity and be a man of character. That's what gets my attention. Jesus said, this is why y'all don't have no power. It's a perverse generation. You see the attitude? How long must I be here? Come on, God, let me come now. He's he's about had it. And why did he get like that? He was just in the presence of God. Because when you're in the glory and in the presence of God, you're able to discern when the enemy and when the world is there. And here's the thing, you go a little bit deeper with this. There is a mastermind behind this system. And it's not the president of the United States. 
you know, the, I was listening to this one pastor that he said, you know, America only makes up, what was it, 27% of the entire population of the world. In other words, there's a lot more to this world than America. Anyway, perception, perspective. The Bible teaches there is a mastermind behind the world system. Your Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and in Ephesians 2, he's the God of this age who has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's the mastermind behind this. He's the one that introduces these morals, these beliefs, these standards to many of our kids. That's why fathers and parents, we got to be keen on what is being taught, right? So that's, that's, that's the world. That's the world. He said, that's what the problem is. Now, that's the problem is unbelieving in worldliness. We're not connected to God, and we're too connected to the world. So what's the antidote, Jesus? Jesus said, there's two problems, and I'm going to give you two answers. And I'm going to help you, Father, that said, please help my unbelief. I'm going to help you. I love it because Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't, he didn't say, you fool. You ain't got no belief. No, he said, I understand. Let me help you with that. When the disciples came, he, didn't, he wasn't so hard with them. I think he kind of calmed down. But he was like, fellas, let me tell you what the problem is. And he was unbelief. But he said, here's the solution. The solution is prayer and fasting. Why? Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. That's why we fast. And we're supposed to fast often. This is something that we, we should be doing as believers, you know, not just the first week of the year, uh, we do that globally, but hopefully we've adopted this as part of our life, our spiritual discipline. We're going to talk a lot about prayer because that is the direction that God is leading me for this church for 2023, is to be a year of prayer. He's also kind of rekindled some passions and burdens of mine that we had from the beginning. And I got a letter I'm going to send out to everyone, and it's going to be uh, at our annual business meeting. But our staff already knows that we got a process in place and all this that's going to help uh, disciple new believers and stuff. But we need to get back to the basics, get back to winning souls, getting back to helping the hurting and, and those that are in need, and we need that. So we need to pray and seek God for that. But he says pr- prayer connects us to God. Isn't that, isn't that the most simple, simple definition of what prayer is? It connects us to God. It's where we commune with God, where we speak to God. But let's look at fasting. Fasting disconnects us from the world. It's about disconnecting. This is something we should be doing regularly, and I'm not saying this to brag, but I am in leadership and just to be a lead to tell you how I fast regularly. So I love to fast every week. I don't fast every week. I used to, I have, but I like to pick Wednesday uh, and Thursday, Thursday's my fast day. And I, the way I fast, I was taught this 20 years ago. And I fast, I eat my dinner on Wednesday, usually a little early because we have Wednesday night church. And so I eat a little early and then I will not eat again and, and, and no snacking and snacking is huge for me. That's my thing. I'm a snacker. I'm a chip and dip guy. I'm popcorn, you know, cheddar and they got fire popcorn. Come on somebody. I mean, you mix them together and it's, it's Jesus all in the bag. I'm telling you, it's It's amazing. So I love to snack. You know, when the Lions win today, I'm going to be snacking, okay? That's what I'm talking about. I'm a snacker, right? I'm a snacker. So but when I fast, I eat my meal, and then I won't eat again until Thursday night. I, and instead of snacking, I spend my time 
praying and, and seeking God when you fast. We do that sometimes every week. But it's, it's a routine that we need to do. Why? Because I need to realign some things in my life. I need to realign some things, and here it is, is why fasting? Because every single one of us is made in the image of God. How many know that? You're a triune person. We, we are a body, soul, and spirit. We're the only creation that God created that has a body, soul, and spirit. We're a triune people. Uh, plants and trees, they have a one body. They don't have a soul and an eternal spirit. Uh, animals, they have a body and they have a soul. A dog is very emotional, right? Uh, don't get mad at me, but I, they don't, I don't know if they go to heaven, okay? I don't know. Cats! No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am kidding on New Year's Day, okay? <laughs> I knew I didn't like this guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Animals are beautiful. They're great. I'm an animal. I got a little dog, and I love Evie. She loves everybody. Okay. You and I, though, for sure have a body, soul, and an eternal spirit. We're made in the image of God. We have all three. And this is where fasting comes in. Let me break this down for you. It's about connecting. The body connects us to self. The body connects us to self, to ourself. Our body tells us when we're hungry. This is what God designed it for. It tells us when pain. It tells us when we're tired. Our body is connected to, this, to ourself. It's about, and, and now the fallen nature and the thing we need to fast from is the body on the, on the dark side, if you want to see it like that. The fallen side in our body is lust and greed and jealousy in our body. It's all about how I look. And that's where the body is. It's connected to our self. It's all about self. Our soul is connected to others. Our soul is, is about feelings. It's about, this person makes me feel. And it was designed by God for us to bond with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, with the community. It's a good thing. That, that was the purpose of the soul. Is to express, that's the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's, and, and I've taught on this before many times. I'm not going to go that deep in it today. just want to show you something about fasting, why it's so important. But usually, in, in the negative side of it is when we have to have the soul. We have to have other people to make us happy. We allow what other people think of us to dictate our moods. This is, the, this is the sole problem. We're, we're, you know, if I don't get a certain amount of likes, if I don't get a certain amount of compliments, if I'm, I'm comparing myself with other people, people that are, are walking in the soul are very moody people. When we're in there, we're very moody people. And we all struggle with that. We're moody people. We're, we're not consistent. It's all about feelings. And we have to have, and feelings are always connected to people, though. That's what I'm saying. And the, the unhealthy side is where we have a soul tie. And I've talked a lot about a soul tie. You can have a soul tie to a person or even a place, like I did. And, and it's an unhealthy thing, and it dictates how your mood is. And it's all about, all about feelings, and you need this person to make you feel good. See, that, that's the soul. That's the downside of soul. It's connected to others. Well, our spirit is connected to God. And when you say yes to Jesus... And you say, Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe, and you believe with your heart. And you say, I, I'm going to turn away from my sin. I believe in you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. When you do that, the Bible says your spirit is born again. What's happening? That connection is made between you and God. Your spirit is where God speaks to you. 
It will come in your spirit and then come up in your mind. It's your spirit. God communes with your spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that awakens our spirit. That's who is in us. It's not Jesus, right? We know that. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You have his spirit. You have a peace of God. It's it's revealed in his spirit. Our spirit is where he, he communes with us. Okay, so put all three up. Now, here's the point. One of these three things are the strongest in you and me right now. One of them are the strongest. If the body is in control, it's all about how you look. This is where the body, if the person is walking after the flesh, the body, it's all about how I look, it's all about what I want to do. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't, I'm going to sleep with anybody I want to. I'm going to put anything in my body. I don't care how it's going to make me feel. And it always makes you feel bad. But I don't care about my soul. It's all about my body. It's all about image. It's all about how I look. It's all about this. The lust of the eye is how the Bible also teaches on it. It, it, When he's in control, it's all about that. I don't care about my soul. I really don't care about what God says. I don't care about no spirit. I'm going to do what I want to do. My body is telling me that I need to go do this and I need to go. I just want to do it. When your soul is in control, it's all about feelings. And the soul could care less how it makes your body. And it really, the, the most ultimate dark side of the soul running the show is when the soul says, I don't even care if my body is here. Suicide happens. You see? Why? Because we feel. It's in our feelings. And depression is a serious thing, but it's not in your body. It's in your soul. Proverbs says that depression is in the heart of man. But a good word, if you study that out, from the Spirit will bring him out. You hear me? So one of these three are the strongest right now. And everybody watching, everybody that's here. And when the soul is in control, it's a bad thing. And you can actually read the uh, Romans chapter 8. In fact, let me just throw that out there. This week, with this understanding of what I'm teaching you right now about the body, soul, and spirit, read Romans 8. You can read Romans 6, 7, and 8, but 8, he sums it up. In Romans, he says, if we're led by the spirit, if the spirit man is calling the shots... He said that he who is controlled by, connected, controlled by the Spirit, the other two guys have no power over them. You see that? So here's the point. Fasting does two things. You get two for one in fasting. Fasting does two things. Fasting weakens the first two, but strengthens the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, you got enough faith to be saved, but you're going to overcome this thing. You're too connected to this. you got a connection problem, and it's not connected to the right thing. I don't need to do this praying fast, and I was just in the presence. I lived this life. That's why I was able to cast that devil out. But listen, for you to get to that level, you need to push the plate. If you if you are a if you got body problems, a body it's all about how you look and and you don't care how you feel. You know, it's all about doing what you want to do. You need to fast body things. That's why food is such a good thing and it's so common in the in the Bible because when you push the plate, when you neglect the body from its source of energy and food, oh, you're gonna find out how nice you really are. We got a term for it. Some of y'all are going to have it in a few minutes when you ask the question that starts World War III in your car. Where are we going to eat? And it depends on how hangry you are. Come on, somebody. 
We all got a flesh. Come on, somebody. You see, when you neglect the flesh, the flesh is going to scream at you. And you know what? That is on purpose. If flesh is going to come, God's going to say, I've been waiting. To, you know, it's like stirring a cup. It's stirring a cup. When you start stirring a cup, everything from the bottom begins to float to the top. When we begin to fast, that body will throw you something that you have not even thought you've been dealing with, that greed, and all of that's going to be there. If you've got a soul problem, you need to fast soul things. If it's, if it's, you, you, need, you need to do soul fasting as well. When I got saved, for instance, that's why I didn't go into certain liquor stores. I didn't go even to a neighborhood because I had a soul tie. I don't want to go too far into that. I'll preach on it later. But it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Jesus prayed for a man, and he's the only guy Jesus prayed for twice. He prayed over him, and he said, I still can't see. I see men as trees. The Bible says Jesus prayed for him again, and he was able to see. And he said, don't go back into that city. Why? Because there was a, that was Bethsaida. He had cursed that city. There was a curse on that city. There was something that he had no business in being there. And as long as he was there, it didn't matter about his faith. It didn't matter how much Bible he knew. He was not connected to where God told him to be. And it's powerful. It's a real thing. You gotta, you gotta fast it. You gotta fast it. Hallelujah. If it's a soul thing, social media, listen, if they had social media in Jesus' day, I guarantee you he would have been talking. Because some of y'all can go without eating. It's no big deal. Some of you younger people, maybe. But some people, eating ain't a big deal to you. But you take that phone away. You unplug from social media. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. Just look at your screen time. And here's the thing that lets you know if you got it twisted. The thing about social media, and I'm on social media. I'm on social media. It's, it's, it's not worldly. It can actually be an awesome tool. See? A lot of things the church said was bad, we, sh- we, we just shot ourselves in the foot. When TV came out, the church said, oh, that's of the devil. Now we beg for money to pay for airtime. If we would have just been the first ones to jump on TV, we would be owning the networks. Come on, somebody. We run with guitars and music the same way. Oh, he's got an electric guitar. What? So what? God loves music. Music is beautiful. But we made everything in this box. Okay. Social media, look at your screen time. This, This is the thing about social media today. Even when we're not on social media, when you're not posting or looking at your stories, there is a self awareness that we have about our posts, about our, all throughout the day. Replace that with thinking about God and being connected. What if we thought about God as much as we thought about our story? Some of you right now might be thinking of that story you posted last night, and you want to know how many people viewed it. And, 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 one, and I'm not getting on you. I'm trying to expose something here that, that we've got in our culture and that it's okay. Now it's becoming a problem if it's keeping us from our main connection with God. Just think how much peace and joy and victory we would have if we spent all that screen time in the world. You know, you, you spend 10 minutes, okay, you got Instagram, TikTok, you got tw- Twitter, you got Facebook, you got all these things. 10 minutes on f- five of them. Look how much time that is. an hour. Almost an hour. You know what you can read in an hour? You can read First and Second John in an hour. Well, I don't memorize scripture like that. It's not about memorizing. It's about feeding your connection. I, I can't tell you what I ate for lunch last Thursday. I have no idea. But it nourished me. 
You may not memorize every scripture you read, but it'll nourish your spirit. It'll strengthen your spirit. Every time we spend... That's why the enemy says, you don't need that. Come on, you went to church. That's good for at least two months. You went to New Year's Day. That's good till April, till Easter. Bro, you're good till Easter. Come on now. Come on. Get, get, get in the body and the feelings. You see how everybody looked today? And then next thing you know, he starts to stir up that flesh. Fasting, praying and fasting. Jesus said, this kind, this level. You want to get to this level? To where you're driving out unclean spirits when you're driving out evil? It's going to come from us disconnecting from things that we're too connected to and reconnecting with things that we ought to be connected to. That's the point of the whole message today. There are things in this community, and we've prayed over it before, there's a spirit of religion over this community. I'll just say it. We, there are things that need to be broken in the spirit before we see it manifested in the physical. And that's where praying and fasting, and it, it's another whole thing, but we're not even keen to that unless we're tuned in with prayer and fasting. Worship team, why don't you come today as we begin to close. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Does everybody get what I'm saying here? Does that make sense today? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, as we are beginning this week, a brand new year of praying and fasting. Holy Spirit, reveal to us where our connections are wrong, where we're too connected in areas where the perverseness is. And Lord, whatever you reveal, you heal. You don't condemn us. This isn't a, a condemnation of why you, you, you convict us to bring healing, God. That's what you do. And I pray for our church, our people, everyone that's heard this message today, Lord, that we would be able to recognize the unbelief and the perverseness and as we pray and sit in your presence and as we fast from these things, God, that you would strengthen these connections back to you in our spirit. That's what I pray for us this week. And I do pray that you would read Romans 8 this week. When you read Romans 8 with this understanding, it would change your life. So come on, let's all stand to our feet right now and let's just bask in his presence. You may be here today and Maybe it's a New Year's Day, you're just in town or you're watching and you're, you're just here. Let me just say, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're not connected to him. It would be a great day <laughs> to surrender fully to him today. You've heard enough gospel to understand what you need and the Holy Spirit will convict us of what we need. So before I pray over Christians and believers, if you're here and you're not a fully believer, you're not, you're not a follower, you might be a religious, you might say, Pastor Eddie, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Lutheran. I've been coming to River of Life for three months now. But you haven't disconnected yourself and reconnected to God fully. You can do that right now. You can do that right now. It's a decision you make in your mind and in your heart. And with every head bowed right now and eyes closed right now, those of you that are at home, just... Just listen to my voice. And if that's you, if you need Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and you want to connect with him today, and you would admit you don't know him, you don't know where you would go if you died. You don't know where you'd go. You're not sure. You're not sure because that connection's not there. You can be sure right now, right now, 
by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that you're making him your Lord. But if that's you, I want to know who you are. And will you just lift your hand right up in the air real high so I can see it. And if you're watching online, put your name in the chat. Put your name in the chat. Amen. Raise your hand. Say, pray for me, Pastor Eddie. On this first day of 2023, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If that is you, then you need to say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Won't everybody say it with me on this January day? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I confess today I am a sinner. I am broken. And I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Today, January 1st, 2023, I make you my Lord. Help me from this day forward to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.